Welcome to the River Life Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you will encounter Jesus and allow His words to wash you anew. May He reveal more of who He is to your heart. Here's the message for this week. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Lionel. Good morning, River Life. Wow, so good to see all of you here this morning. And... Um, you know, would you uh, tell the person next to you, um, God is going to bless you this morning. Amen. Amen. I really believe that, you know, the Lord really wants to, to impart uh, His blessings to us, you know, this morning as a church. And um, uh, we start a new series, like what uh, Pastor Lino has said. And, you know, God has been really at work in River Life. Uh, it's been a tough two years, um, not just for our church, but for every church coming out of COVID. But this year, we are really flowing with God's purposes. We are really swimming uh, in the river of God. And God has caused a fresh wave uh, of His presence and of His Spirit uh, to be poured out in our midst. Uh, next year, uh, not next year, <laughs> next week, uh, you will hear a, a, a testimony uh, uh, that of a sister and, uh, and together with the cell leader, they are coming up to give their testimonies of God, how God has healed them and how God has touched their lives. And we believe that there are many, many more uh, testimonies, many, many more stories that need to be told. So if you have a testimony, uh, do write to us at, at uh, I think the email is stories at riverlife.org.sg. Uh, so, so we start a new series and that new series is is entitled Church on Fire in conjunction with uh, the celebration of our 31st anniversary. And what is this a picture of a, a church on fire described? It really describes the revival fires of God. How many of us has watched the tech documentary about the clock tower revival? I see many hands up and it happened 50 years ago in a renowned school in Singapore uh, that started with students. And what it really did was it caused a fresh wave of the Holy Spirit's uh, uh, presence to get poured out in different pockets of Singapore, different pockets, and it touched a whole generation. You know, 50 years later, I believe, and many people believe that Singapore is ready for a new wave. And I believe that River Life Church is ready for a new wave. And really, it really means uh, the manifest presence of God sweeping through the church, you know, that whatever is dead to come alive, turning defeat into victory, hearts that are cold to be set on fire. And in order to attract the manifest presence of God, we need to rebuild our altar, rebuild our personal altar. Last week, uh, Pastor Ernie preached a powerful message and many of us responded, you know, to, to really uh, put away the things of the past, you know, and building that altar with the brokenness that there is in our lives and seeing us getting whole and getting healed. So we want to make room for God to move and this series, this new series is really coming together to build that church family altar, to build that elements of corporate worship 
as a family and to encounter the manifest presence of God together as a church family. And I believe that in this month, we are going to hear the Lord's voice that He's going to speak to us very intimately as a family. And, and today's message I've entitled uh, Position to Prosper. Position to Prosper. How many of us are at a milestone in our lives facing a transition? How many of us? I do see some hands, you know. Um, um, you know, you may be graduating from uni, you may be ORDing from NS, you could be married, getting married this year, you could be deciding on a career move right now. You might have just become a parent, you know, uh, you might be preparing to be a grandparent, like our elder Bill sitting here. You know, you might be preparing for retirement. And you know what? Such milestones actually present opportunities for growth and for prosperity. It can be preparation for you to hit an inflection point in your life. If we make the right decisions, if we choose the right path. Uh, this year, I'm turning 40 in October, and uh, it's rather a neat age for me because you know I came to know the Lord when I was uh, in my 20s, in my early 20s. And the first 20 years of my life, I lived life as a very directionless young adult. Um, you know, almost without much guidance in my life, <laughs> you know, just basically following my peers and just getting influenced uh, by my peers rather than really having a, a clear direction in my life. But when I came to know the Lord, I, I look back 20 years and I, I, I say that God is faithful. I say that God is faithful because I, when I come to know the Lord, I felt that, you know, the Lord has positioned me at important junctures of my life, at important milestones of my life to make the right uh, decisions, to make the right decisions um, so that I enjoy that prosperity from the Lord. Uh, in 2015, for example, I, I heeded God's voice to apply for an overseas scholarship, an overseas attachment, an opportunity, you know, with a barrister's chambers that is in the UK. You know, everything in me told me that I will not get it because traditionally, it's really offered to, to first-class honour students. But I just felt, you know, the Lord's encouragement and the still small voice of the Holy Spirit to tell me to go and apply. You know, and I have to appear before uh, uh, judges, I have to appear before the attorney general and senior lawyers, a panel of four, and to really sort of impress them. And, um, and, and by God's grace, you know, by God's grace, I don't know what they saw in me, but it must be the favour of God. I actually got accepted. And, and I went for the UK for six weeks to understudy the, the very established uh, lawyers and barristers. And there, I realized that that opportunity uh, resulted in me hitting an inflection point in my career and it catapulted me, right, to start this law firm uh, the next year in 2016. So what I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is what we choose right, at significant junctures of our lives will determine our trajectory for the next season. And this morning, I believe God wants each of us to prosper, 
right, in whatever we undertake. And I believe that God wants river life to prosper together in whatever we undertake as a spiritual family. And last year, River Life turned 30. Uh, it was a, a very milestone age, you know. And 30 is really a significant age in the Bible. It is a coming of age. It is a, an age that signifies going into spiritual maturity. In the Old Testament, Levites start serving at the age of 30. Uh, Joseph was 30 when, when Pharaoh placed him in charge of everything that he has. Both King Saul and King David started their kingship at age 30. John the Baptist started his prophetic ministry at the age of 30, right? And Ezekiel started his ministry at the age of 30. But, you know, among everyone, guess who? Our Lord Jesus started his ministry at age 30. And this morning, we want to look at a Bible character uh, who made the right choices at specific important junctures of his life. And the Bible says that he prospered in whatever he undertook, not just for himself, but his nation of Judah. So let's all stand together and let's read uh, 2 Kings uh, chapter 18. Uh, just three verses that says a lot. Uh, three verses, uh, verse 5 to 7. And we see it on screen. So let's, let's uh, read and let's pray together. Um, one, two, three, let's go. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, and there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. And he held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses. And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Lord, we pray, God, that, Lord, even as we seek you, Lord, would you reveal not just your word, but yourself to us through your word, your heart for us individually and as a church. Lord, Father, your heart for this uh, special, special group of believers in River Life Church. I pray, God, Father, God, that you hide your servant behind the cross this morning. I pray, God, that you will hearken our ears to your voice and the still small voice of the Holy Spirit will speak directly to our hearts this morning. We pray and we receive every blessing that you intend for us this morning. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Please have a seat. And we can see that verse that we just read, verse 7, it gives a really one-line summary about Hezekiah's life. He lived a life of true prosperity in the Lord. And I just want to say at the outset, brothers and sisters, that pro prospering, prospering, right, is not a bad word. Prospering is not a bad word, uh, so don't need to cry, you know. But it seems that every time God restores a truth to the church, Satan tries to deposit an error. In other words, when God reveals a truth to us, right, Satan many times tries to abuse that truth 
and turn it into an error by taking it too far. So you know what? I believe God tried to restore the truth about biblical prosperity to the church, but then Satan tempted some people to get greedy in this area, to get covetous in, in this area. And I also believe that it is possible that Satan even tempted some influential pastors and leaders in the ministry to get out of balance in this area. And all of a sudden, we, we had what was labelled the, the prosperity doctrine. And because of it, errors of a few, prosperity is suddenly viewed as a bad one. But I want to assure everyone here that the word prosperity is a biblical word. It is not a bad word. Right? We see that in the Old Testament, the word prosper was used 63 times to describe God's heart and God's plans for His people. In the New Testament, in, in, in 3 John verse 2, uh, the Apostle John says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, right? Just as your soul prospers. So in all things, in every respect, in every arena of your life, the Lord wants you to prosper. But in your, in your walk with Him, in your relationship with God, in your marriage, right, in your parenting, right, in your career, in your calling, in every area of your life, the Lord desires you to prosper. Right? And the Hebrew word, that, uh, the root word of prospering means to push forward, to progress. Right? And the Greek word for prospering means to give help on the road, to push that individual further down the road of progress. And this morning, we look at why did King Hezekiah prosper? And in verse 7, um, it summarizes his life. And it says that the Lord was with him. And very simply, Hezekiah lived a life that attracted the manifest presence of God. And because of the manifest presence of God in his life, the Bible says that he was successful in whatever he undertook. He was prosperous and fruitful in all of his endeavors. So the key to prospering, really, brothers and sisters, is the presence of the Lord. So today we want to explore how we can position ourselves, right, to prosper in whatever we undertake. And in that, we need to learn how to attract the manifest presence of God in our lives. And if we look at Hezekiah's life, we learn about three things that Hezekiah did well in order to attract the manifest presence of God. The first thing was that he trusted in the Lord. The first lesson for us, trust in the Lord, right? Trust in the Lord. Uh, in 2 Kings uh, chapter 18, verse 5, it's, talks about Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. And there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. There's a story about this man who is walking next to a cliff when suddenly the earth gives way 
He falls over the edge, and yet he manages to grab hold of a plant that was growing out of the side of the cliff. You know, hanging hundreds of feet off the ground, he yells, God, please help me! You know, many times until there is a thunderous voice over him that says, do you believe in me? And he says, yes, yes. The voice says, do you trust me? And he replied, yes, yes, please, just help. I can't hang in there much longer. Then the voice commands, then let go. The man looks up and says, is there anyone else I can talk to? We find it difficult to trust God, right, in, in our circumstances. And, and allow me to introduce this, this king to you called Hezekiah, uh, whom we will go through in greater detail in the next uh, five weeks, right? And he's one of really four uh, good kings in, in Judah that brought uh, Judah to, to revival mode. And he was the 13th king of Judah. He's actually the son of the wicked king Ahaz. And he reigned over the southern kingdom of Judah for 29 years, right? Uh, around 715 uh, BC to 686 BC. And the Bible describes Hezekiah as a king who had a close relationship with God, a king who did what was good and right and faithful before the Lord his God. And he led Judah from being in a state of idolatry to national revival, you know, from, from unfaithfulness to prosperity. And during the reign of Hezekiah, he faced a big challenge. And it was the biggest threat to Judah's existence. And this nation, this challenge is called Assyria. And Assyria was the world's number one superpower at a point of time. And it had already conquered the kingdom. Uh, uh, they were at civil war. There was the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, right? After King Solomon, uh, ten tribes followed uh, Jeroboam in the north and two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, followed followed uh, Solomon's son, Rehoboam. So we are talking about the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, being conquered by Assyria as early as 722 BC. That was about the reign at that time when Hezekiah came on the throne. And then at about 701 BC, Hezekiah and Judah faced a national crisis. And Assyria launched a full-scale invasion on Judah with an enormous army of almost 200,000 troops. So in that context, Hezekiah has got to learn, right, to trust God, to trust God for deliverance. You know, you might ask, what has that got to, got to do with us, you know, living in the 21st century? And I want to submit to, to everyone here that we too face an Assyria today, right? We too face an Assyrian invasion today, right? Not a, not a political Assyria, right? Not a political Assyria with, with, with a real army, so to speak, but a cultural Assyria. An Assyria that is subtle 
and Assyria that is insidious, that is covert, that is elusive. And you may not realize its plans and its attack on us. And this Assyria, it represents the world's culture, the world's ways. You know, since Adam had given the key of this earth, of this planet, to the devil, since the day of man's fall, the world has become the devil's playground. And we are in this boiling pot, in this ecosystem, this unrighteous ecosystem, which Satan ultimately still controls at this point of time. But we know, right? We know that his days are numbered. We know that Jesus is coming back again and he is going to restore everyone and his kingdom on earth. But in the meantime, there are three ways in which the world and his ways attack us. The world and his ways try to influence and it tries to invade us, right? And if we are not careful, our spiritual life can be snuffed out, right, by a serious invasion. And I can think of at least three ways, three ways in which the attacks from the world come. The first is, is deception. And we are dealing with big-time deception uh, um, in our culture, in our, in our days. And uh, we are dealing with fake news all over. We are even dealing with deep fake technology. The pictures that you see could be doctored over the internet. And really, it's getting harder and harder to decipher and to discern what is true and what is not true. Right? And the world and its ways are skilled at shaping public perception, at spinning and presenting a certain fallacy in a way that sounds like truth. And worse still, in this cultural boiling pot, truth and what, say, what God says is truth, what God's word is, has been redefined. And we see the agenda that marriage is becoming redefined. Gender is becoming redefined. Right? God, what God says about marriage, what God says about gender is being challenged, is being totally perverted. And in this day and age, you know, if you do a quick research, you can find 126 genders in the world. Right? How is that possible? So the, the, the lie comes at the level where it tells us that gender suddenly is not binary. And that's one example. Right? The second way the uh, Assyria, this cultural Assyria attacks us is this thing called oppression. And because of geopolitical factors, because of the social economic front, this ecosystem, the truth is that, brothers and sisters, we have to work much harder. You realize that recently um, the newspapers did a, a, a survey on what are the top concerns on young couples. And the top two has ranked this way. Number one, okay, work-life balance. And number two, 
the rising cost of living. And we know, and we talked about it before, that workplace stress, the fact that we have much more expectations to be met at work, creates all sorts of anxiety and health issues and you know, mental health issues. And the world hits us with this ideology that is called the survival of the fittest. The survival of the fittest. So every day we are under this boiling pot, under this ecosystem, and it's pressuring us to conform. And in order to be accepted, in order to survive, you might think that you need to play the game in the marketplace. You need to perhaps carry favour your boss. You might need to say the politically correct things in the office. You might need to put on a smile on your face every day in the office, although you really feel like stabbing your boss. <laughs> Can we, you know? And maybe as a student, you know, this, this day is increasingly students among us. I mean, parents, be careful, because students among us face a huge amount of stress. I mean, those days, I, I, I don't remember me, you know, myself <laughs> facing that amount of stress, you know. I thought university is like more like play, you know. But now, university students, tertiary students, JC students, uh, poly students even are facing an enormous amount of stress, right? And if you look, and we go upstream, PSLE questions are getting tougher and tougher, right? I mean, those of us parents, you know, I have to crack my brains trying to solve the math question. So all this, you know, we are in this. Can you see that we are in this boiling pot? Right? Can you see a serious attack on us? And because of the, the stress level that we are facing, right? And there is this temptation to, to find ways to escape, right? To escape from, from this reality that we are in. And I want to draw that, to all of us that attention that there is a danger to do that because... You know, then the world and Satan tries to trap us with bondage because of this temptation to want to escape, right, from this harsh reality. So nowadays, you can see people are addicted to gaming. More and more people. People are very attracted to this, to this thing called virtual reality. Right? And we hear of this advent of this thing called the metaverse to say that, hey, look, you can get, you can come up of this reality that you are experiencing and hop, right? Hop onto another reality. We deal with young people, their, their addiction to their digital devices. The truth is that people are not seeking, they, they are seeking an alternative reality, but I want to warn us that it is not reality, it is an illusion. It is a coping mechanism. And I tell you what, this, all these attacks is starting to make us feel very overwhelmed. Very overwhelmed. Right? And, and I just want to share that uh, uh, in 2 in Chronicles chapter 18, verses 16 to 21. And in the midst of this invasion from Assyria, there is one person that we should never learn from, okay? And that is King Ahaz. And if we look at 2 Chronicles 28, verses 16 to 21, you see King Ahaz was also facing attacks, right, 
from the nations around, from the world around him. He was facing attacks from Edom, from the Philistines, from the Arameans, which is the Syrians. But you see, instead of seeking God's help, right, he sought the help of Assyria. And we can see that he even gave tribute to the king of Assyria. He even offered the gold that you used to worship God in the temple. He offered it to, to Assyria to say, come and help me. Come, I want to be, you know, your vessel state. I want to be your servant. I want to be your son, he says. And as, an, as a result, instead of finding strength, instead of finding deliverance, right, it says that in verse 20, the king of Assyria afflicted him. He came against him and afflicted him instead of strengthening him. So it reminds us that when we turn to the world's ways to try to cope with life instead of God's ways, we find more problems, we find more afflictions, and instead of help, instead of strength, we find even more problems, we find even more oppression. But see what King Hezekiah, right, the positive example, the son of Ahaz, he totally turned things around. He told his people, in the face of the Assyrian invasion, in the face of a national crisis, he told the people in 2 Chronicles 32, and we're going to take a look, verse 7 and verse 8, he told them to be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. With him, with the world, it's only the arm of flesh. But with us, with us as God's people, is the Lord our God to help us to fight our battles. And that was, and that encouragement actually summed up Hezekiah's trust in the Lord. So this morning you could be facing oppression, you could be facing deception, you could be facing even bondage in your life. I want to encourage all of us that not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. But by the Spirit of God, the Lord will bring you breakthrough. The Lord will break the yoke. Amen? Now, the second thing that we can learn from King Hezekiah is to follow God and hold fast to his commands. Right? King Hezekiah in 2 Kings verse 18, uh, chapter 18, verse 6, it says, He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses. And this one verse, right, talks about the heart of obedience. King Hezekiah has. Because the, his father, King Ahaz, had totally turned the nation upside down. 
to follow idols, to follow the gods of Assyria. And the context we can see in 2 Kings 16, uh, verse 10 to verse 14, what happened was that because uh, King Ahaz wanted right, to seek help from Assyria since they are the dominant power, so there must be something to learn from them, right? And what he did was he built an Assyrian altar, right, in God's temple. When he went to meet the king of Assyria in Damascus to seek his help, he saw an altar in Damascus. And what he did was he copied the design and the workmanship of the altar and he told his priest Uriah, he told his priest Uriah to make an exact copy of the Assyrian altar and put it in the temple, to put it in God's temple, to put it in Jerusalem. And because of that, he defiled worship. He defiled the worship of Yahweh. His thinking is that since Assyria is so powerful, their God must be powerful. So if we can't beat them, let's join them. Right? And so King Ahaz uh, worshipped at the altar of Assyria. He offered the sacrifices, he offered the offering, not to Jehovah God, not to Yahweh God, but to the gods of Assyria. And he fully adopted the Assyrian beliefs. He fully adopted the Assyrian values and the Assyrian ways. And you know what? The bronze altar actually just became a reserve altar. Just in case, just in case if the ways of Assyria don't work, we can always go back to Yahweh God. And if we can understand the psyche of King Ahaz, he has turned into a consumer. He has left his, his uh, calling as a worshipper of God, but he has transformed himself into a consumer with a consumer mindset, which says that I will take whatever service provider that works best for me. Right, in, in, in 21st century consumerism, uh, uh, it's between Grab and Gojek, right? Today, I can go Grab, right? But tomorrow, if Gojek offers me a better deal, tomorrow I will go Gojek. There is no allegiance to anything. Whatever that works, whatever gives me the most value from what I perceive, it's the same as Singtel or Starhub or M1. And you know what? The sad thing is that God is relegated to a service provider. And if we are not careful, brothers and sisters, it's easy for Bible-believing Christians to be conformed to the ways of the world, right? When the rubber meets the road. And, and suddenly God becomes the reserve. <laughs> you know, and if anything, we are influenced, right, so much by the world that we follow the world's ways first. And then when all else fails, then seek the Lord. But you know what, brothers and sisters, I just want to remind us that there is no substitute for God. 
There is absolutely no substitute for God because the Bible tells us that Jesus is the only way. He is the only truth. He is the only life. And you know what? Hezekiah understood that. Right? Hezekiah understood that. And from his life, you can see how he brought the kingdom, the nation of Judah back to worship in God's presence. In 2 Chronicles 29, uh, verses 18 to 19, it talks about Hezekiah rebuilding the Lord's altar. He rebuilt the Lord's altar in the temple. He got rid of anything to do with Assyria. He got rid of the Assyrian altar. And his, um, his priests and his Levites, he, he told Hezekiah that we have purified the entire temple of the Lord in accordance with your instructions. Right? We have restored the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils. And all the articles of worship which Ahaz had removed in his unfaithfulness, we have prepared and we have consecrated. And they are now in front of the Lord's altar. You see, brothers and sisters, if we want to really prosper in the Lord, if we really want to take hold of what God has for us, if we want to take hold of that destiny, and with that destiny comes that blessing so that we can be a blessing to those that are around us, we first have to restore that altar of worship in the temple. And in these five weeks, we are going to do just that. We are going to do just that. So, how does it apply to us? I just want to encourage all of us that even when the going gets tough in your lives, be obedient to God. Start from a position of worship. Follow God and hold fast to His commands. Right? Start by rebuilding the Lord's altar. And I want to, we want to do it as a church family. Start with reconnecting ourselves to God and live a life of true prosperity and revival. Commit to sell group gatherings. Commit to Sunday service gatherings. Because community will help us hold fast to God's commands. So in this next one month, we want to rally all of us together and we want to say that, we want to say and do this commitment to God together that God, we want to worship you together. And that's the great starting place. And the third lesson, brothers and sisters, uh, is that Hezekiah, his life, it's very evident that he did not serve the ways of the world. He did not serve the ways of the world. This point is related to what we have, we have mentioned in the first two points. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 7, it says that Hezekiah rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. He refused to follow Assyria's ways. He refused to be a vassal state of Assyria. Uh, one translation says he revolted against Assyria. He revolted against the big bully in the neighborhood. 
Some of you, some of you may need to hear this, those of you sitting in our midst, because there might be a big bully in your life right now. And the enemy seeks to kill, to steal, to destroy. I want to share this story of a bully in my primary school. And this bully in, in my class, he keeps disturbing this real nice boy in class, you know. This real nice boy, and you know, he's a bit gullible, he's, he's a bit soft, you know. And he keeps disturbing him, he keeps harassing him, he keeps taunting him, he keeps making fun of him. You know, let's call that, 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 that guy Bill, you know, since Bill, our elder Bill is so nice, right? So that, that guy Bill just keeps tolerating and tolerating and tolerating until one day he could no longer tahan the bully. He told the bully straight in the face, stop it. And that led to an, to an altercation. You know, the bully, the bully started to taunt him, to challenge him to a fight. You know what? Those days, more than 20 years ago, there was a relief teacher you know, not very trained. Lah. She saw what happened and then she said, you know, you do want to fight? Okay, let's do it, right? You do want to fight the whole class. You got the whole class to form a boxing ring, right? And invited the two of them, come, you want to fight? Come, let's do it, right? And the two, the two boys found themselves in this boxing ring and you know what? Bill started to raise his clenched fist in, in this way, right? And you know what? The unthinkable actually happened. The bully chickened out. The bully chickened out. And as I, as I, as I was preparing for this, this message, and you know, this, this, the Lord said to me that the, the, the enemy is like this bully. You know, he will taunt you. He will, it's like a roaring lion. But when it comes to the real thing, he chickens out when you stand up against him. So my point, right, brothers and sisters, don't give in to the devil. Don't give in to the world's influence in your life. In 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 35, you know, there was the angel of the Lord. The Lord sent an angel in the face of this Assyrian invasion. And this angel put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. When the people got up the next morning, all they saw were dead bodies. Brothers and sisters, when you trust the Lord, when you follow His commands and you refuse to bow to the enemy, you receive supernatural deliverance because God will fight for you. God will fight for you. And I just want to invite the worship team up even as we close. And I just want to end with this story to encourage all of us. You know, one day I received a call from a, 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 my missionary friend. Her name is June. And what happened was that she and another pastor friend planted a congregation in, in Johor Bahru. And that day, they were, they were prepared to go to church to, to minister, and they were having breakfast at a coffee shop. And they saw an Indian lady looking at them. And they can see that that Indian lady is troubled. So they left the coffee shop, but the Holy Spirit prompted them to go back and pray for her. And it turns out that she has a legal problem. Her husband worked in Singapore as an engineer, but tragically passed away in the office because of a brain aneurysm. The doctors here will know what, 
you know, it was an outpouching of the, of the brain, of the uh, vessel, blood vessel in the brain, and it ruptured one day while he was in the toilet. And this poor widow didn't even get to say her last goodbye. And she was actually expecting their second child at that point. And what was worse was that um, the insurance company didn't want to pay the workman compensation. If, she, if her claim is allowed, she's entitled to almost 200000 But the insurance company only offered her a meager 20000 as a settlement. She was a foreigner. She's a widow. Her children are fatherless. The, the kind of... Um, she fits that, this profile of people that the Lord wants us to take special care of. So I took on a matter pro bono and we got to fight against the insurance, you know, the big insurance company. And the other side had a very well-known neurosurgeon. And he's saying that, you know what, the rupturing of this brain aneurysm is a spontaneous event. It means that that man was carrying a time bomb. And it can happen anytime, anywhere, even at rest. So his work did not cause his demise. And in the face of this very strong evidence supporting uh, the other side, you know, I needed to find another doctor. I needed to find another neurosurgeon, right? To say that, hey, actually there is that correlation, right, between work stress and the rupturing of the aneurysm. But to my disappointment, I called every, probably every neurosurgeon that I know, you know, no neurosurgeon wanted to be my witness. Right? And I felt so lonely and I broke down before the Lord in the morning all doing my quiet time. I said, God, I, I really need your help. And I broke into tears because my heart was crying out for this widow. And I said, God, show me your way. And then I heard this still small voice spoke. And I, I received it like that. You know, it sounds a bit weird. God was saying, since the people that deal with the living don't want to be your witness, go and find the one dealing with the dead. Okay, it sounds kind of spooky to me, right? I was like wondering, God, is that you or is that, was that the pizza last night, right? Okay, and, and then suddenly the, 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 you know, the light bulb lighted up. Oh yeah, God was talking about, you know, the pathologist, the pathologist, you know, the pathologist who performed the autopsy, right, over, over the man. So I, I called HSA, you know, I literally called HSA and I got an appointment with the pathologist. And you know what? I got to know that she's a believer in Jesus. You know, and she told me, hey, your case is not so easy, but okay, I'll be your witness. Okay, and on the, on the eve of trial, on the eve of the hearing, she sent me this article, all right, with this research showing the possible correlation between work stress and the rupturing of the brain aneurysm. We submitted that, that research to, to the court. And you know what, brothers and sisters, when the judge read out the judgment awarding my client the compensation, literally, I teared in court. I almost sobbed. Because God is good to those who seek Him. God will make a way for us in the wilderness. You see, brothers, the way of the world, it favours the more powerful, the more entrenched 
in this case, the insurance company. But God's way is to protect the poor and the vulnerable. So I just want to share this verse with you even as we close and the worship team to lead us in this time. Isaiah 50 verse, Isaiah 50 verse 5 verse 8 to 9 that says that God's thoughts are higher, God's ways are higher. God is positioning us to prosper even in the face of a serious attack. Don't fight a serial on your own. Don't fight a serial on your own. Go to God. Go to God. So let us stand and, and let's respond to God, shall we? And I want you to encourage you to, to trust God, to, to follow His commands, to refuse to bow to the ways of the world. As river life turns sturdy, we want to see every river lifer become a river of life. Every river lifer become a channel of blessing. Prospering, flourishing, giving life in the marketplace and in your family. The river will flow outwards, touching lives, transforming our community. And let's believe that, that this will come to pass in the days to come. Lord, we need your grace and mercy. We need to pray like never before. We need the power of your Holy Spirit to Church, stir the hearts of men, revive us, Lord, with your passion once again. I want to care for others like Jesus cares for me. Let your name fall on me. Before you, we don't deserve of you what we ask, but we yearn to see your glory restore this dying land, spirit of your church. Revive us, Lord, with your passion once again. I want to care for others like Jesus cares for me. Let your rain fall on me. Spirit touch, spirit touch your church. Stir the hearts of men. Your passion once again. I want to care for others like Jesus cares for 
Dear brothers and sisters, I just want to invite you to respond to this message because God's heart this morning and even as River Life turns 30 and beyond, He wants to bless us. He wants to position us for a life of purpose, for a life of prosperity, for a life of fruitfulness. And He just wants to invite you that if this is what you desire for your life, I want to invite you to put your hand on your heart this way. That even as you align your heart to God's heart for you, I want to pray a blessing for each and every one of us. I want to pray that as we turn 30, we will reach that age of maturity to learn to trust Him, to learn to abide in Him, to learn to obey Him and not be influenced in the ways of the world. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father Lord, I just thank you, Lord Father. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters. Lord, with all our hearts being aligned to your heart for River Life, God, you know us. You search us inside out. And we pray, Lord, that our heart's desire will be a reality in our lives. God, we will see your positioning. We will see your prosperity even in the face of the Assyrian army, in the, even in the face of deception, of oppression and of bondage. Lord, Your Spirit come and touch Your church and set us on fire and set us ablaze and impart, Lord Father, Your Spirit to us of victory and not of defeat, of life and not of death. And all God's people say, Amen. 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 Give a hand to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know what? Even as we close this service and we sing this chorus once again, I just want to invite those of us that face an Assyria, that in your life, you may be oppressed, you may be uh, in bondage, you may be suffering from deception, just from anxiety, from worry. If there is an Assyria in your life and you want that breakthrough, I want to invite you to come to the front that we can pray for you. So let's do that even as we sing the chorus one more time. Spirit, touch your church. Stir the hearts of men. Revive us, Lord, with your passion once again. To care for others like Jesus cares for me. Let your rain fall on me. Stir the hearts of men Revive us, Lord With your passion once again I want to care for others Like Jesus cares for me Let your rain fall on me Like Jesus cares for me, let your rain fall on me. Come, let us receive the Lord's benediction together. Hallelujah. May the love of God our Father, hallelujah. 
May the grace of our Lord Jesus and the empowerment and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of us. For today, until we meet again, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' most precious name, and God's people say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the River Life Podcast. We hope that you've encountered Jesus through the Word. If you'd like to connect with community or find out more about River Life Church, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or head on over to riverlife.org.sg. God bless and have a great week ahead.